Thank you. Huh. Okay, great. Okay. So thank you everyone for coming. First of all, a very big thank you to Tova for arranging this. Not everyone realizes that behind the scenes, Tova has to deal with all of her speakers and all of their schedules and all the times they switch their schedules on her and their topics on her and don't give her their, their topics when they're supposed to and she very gently nudges us along to get us where we're supposed to be. So thank you, Tova. And thank you to Rabbi Zanworth also for tech support behind the scenes. The way this is going to work is I'm, I'm going to be speaking. Tova is running the show. If you have any questions during the talk, so you can chat them to me only. If you have any, any content questions about the class, chat them to me only. If you're having any technical difficulties, then chat them. You can chat them to Tova only, and we hope that that is going to work. At the end, at the end of the class, I'll take a look at the questions that we have. We're not going to deal with very specific questions or very um, personal case questions at the end of the class, but I'll look at everything. And some questions, I'll, if I feel they're for the group, then we'll talk about them in the group at the end. And otherwise, I can get back to people with answers to their questions. And I'll, could be, I'll repeat that um, at the end of the class if there are people that didn't hear it right now. So my topic is parenting during a pandemic. And the truth is that, that when, when I, I got this topic and, and I, it was very hard for me to figure out what to, what to do with it because every person, every parent is in such a different place and everyone's kids are in different stages and everyone's living such different realities in their lives every single minute of the day. It depends on your kids and what kind of school they go to and where you're living and, and I feel like sometimes even for us at different hours of the day, we can be a different person, ha person having different challenges. There are the little babies and just the, the, the pressure of being home with little babies and little toddlers. And then there are the elementary school kids and all of the, again, the pressure and, you know, all the trying to share computers and phones and teenagers and older kids. There's so many different things going on. How is I ever going to say anything that, that would be applicable to everyone and not cut out many people, many people in the group. So, so I thought about this a lot. And that's why, like I mentioned earlier with the questions, we're, we're not, this is not going to be about, you know, practical tips to get through the day with your toddler without breaking down. That's not, that's not, that's a very good topic. That's a very important topic. We're not going to talk about, you know, how to make only two computers work for five children who are taking Zoom classes. That's also a very good topic, but that's not what we're going to talk about. If we end up with a lot of very specific questions, then, and I have Tova's permission to say this, we could talk about making more specific classes um, that will be um, less general for people in, you know, in, in more specific cases. And, and we can, so that's something that Tova would consider doing in the future. But for this class, we're going to stick to more generalities, really to more themes and ideas that apply to everyone, every person with kids in every stage in life. And the question that we're going to address is this. In Mirth Hashem, this is going to end. Now, I can't tell you exactly when. Is it going to be weeks or months or maybe even a, a year or two years? We, we don't know. But it's going, it is going to end. There's no question that there will be an end. And after, after it's all over, and let's say five years down the line or 10 years down the line, what are our kids, not just what are they going to remember, 
because I know I've heard a lot of talk about what are your kids going to remember and make your home a happy home. That's all true. That's all good. That's all important. But I'm asking, I'm asking, I want to ask something different. Not what will they remember, but how did they grow from this experience? And the question for us as parents is, how can we help our children grow from this experience? Hashem obviously put us, all of us, the entire world in this situation. I'm not going to say this is the lesson of Corona because nobody knows that, but we all have different ways that we can grow and we can also help our children grow from this experience too. And that's what we're going to address. We're going to address three different aspects that we can help our children be different, better, bigger than they were before. Now, I can't say that this applies to the little, littlest babies, um, but even children of three and four years old, they, they have an idea of what's going on and, and likely they're going to remember this. This is going to be a milestone. This is a world milestone. And even children, those little, those that little, sorry, will be able to relate to that. And certainly as children get older, they'll be able to understand and relate to more and more. And for the things that we're going to be talking about then, it's a lot of what we want to teach our kids, some teaching them outright, and some, really a lot of it, is what we are modeling for them, what we're showing them as an example. And again, we're going to look at three different aspects, three different things that we could focus on. Now, I'm not saying that this is the be-all and end-all of it. It could be you could find something very important that, that, you, that reaches and touches you more, and that's fine. But my point is that this is something that should be our goal, that, that we're not just surviving, but we're trying to do more than survive. For ourselves and for our kids, we're trying to have this be a growth experience, to gain something, to come out as better people. So the first area that I want to talk about is the broad topic would be the area of resilience. I'll explain what I mean. It has so many, so many different aspects. We'll just cover a few. Um, last week, I think, there was a letter that someone sent into Mishpacha that I got a lot of chizuk from. The, the, the real topic of the letter doesn't matter, but it was written by Re Rabbi Mayer Wickler, who is a therapist. I'm not sure exactly what kind. He was responding to another letter that someone had written in. But in the course of his letter, Rabbi Wickler wrote, that he heard from Rabbi Reisman, I know it's a lot of different names here, that there were three things that happened during the creation of the world that didn't turn out according to Hashem's plan. Now, of course, Hashem, really in Hashem's plan, everything is perfect, but according to the way the story is told to us in the Torah, there are three things that were not according to the original plan. Number one, when Hashem commanded the trees to grow, Hashem commanded them not just that the fruit should have a taste of fruit, but Hashem also commanded that the tree itself should have a taste of the fruit. In other words, that if you would go over to an apple tree and you would um, pick off the bark of the apple tree, that would taste like an apple. That's how Hashem commanded it. But when the trees grew, again, that's a whole separate understanding, the trees grew that the bark tastes like bark, but the apples taste like apples. And number two, Hashem created the sun and the moon to be of equal size. And then in the end, the moon complained about it. Again, we're not going into an understanding of that. And Hashem um, told the moon to make itself smaller. 
So again, a change from the original plan that the sun is big and the moon is small. And Adam and Chava themselves, they were supposed to stay in Gan Eden, but by the end of Friday, by the end of the first day of their, of their creation, they were kicked out of Gan Eden. So Rabbi Razan pointed out that starting from the very beginning of creation, the world was running according to plan B. Things were not plan A. They weren't the way Hashem had originally set them up. Instead, the world was going in, you want to say second best, or, or what they, the, the, the backup plan. That's how the world is running. And that we're always living in a plan B world. That things often, very often, don't, don't work out the way that we would like them to work out. And we have to shift into plan B mode. And that thought actually gave me a lot of chazak because, because that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing every single day. This is, this is plan B and sometimes plan C or plan D or plan E or plan F. You know, the whole try, um, having the kids home all day and having them try to be doing their schoolwork remotely and many women trying to, trying to work remotely and being in quarantine and trying to get groceries without going to the grocery store. So, so many different things, and certainly over Pesach, not being with family, there were so many things that were not ideal, that were busy evid, that were plan B. And what he was saying was, that's okay, because this world is a plan B world. Sometimes we realize it more than others, but we are always living in plan B. And resilience means being able to deal with the plan B. And right now we're feeling it very acutely, but it's a skill that, that people, anyone, needs to get through life always. How does that play out? It plays out in so many different ways. It plays out in just the aspect of dealing with frustration. What happens when things don't go your way? And there's, there's so many different examples that are coming up now on a daily basis. You know, what happens when your child has a Zoom class and someone else is using the computer? What do you do when you go to the grocery store and there's no flour or there's no yeast or there's no more eggs? Or, and this actually happened to someone in our community, what happens when you put in an Instacart order from Kroger for ice cream for your child's birthday party and the Instacart order comes right on time, but instead of kosher ice cream, you get a ham. And yes, that really happened to someone um, in the last couple of weeks. So there's all sorts of frustrations that come up on a daily basis. And the question is, what do you do? How do you deal with it? Are you just in a bad mood the rest of the day? Do you snap at your family? Do you yell at someone? Do you let it get you down? Do you complain about it for the rest of the day? That's one way to deal with it. Or you could acknowledge your frustration. Acknowledge that this is not the way I wanted it. This is very frustrating. This is very annoying. And then move on. That's what resilience is. Admitting that we're living life in a plan B world, and sometimes we gotta shift into plan B gear. And we can't just sit and stew in it all day because we're not going to get anywhere. And our kids are going to catch that from us. They're gonna catch it the way, in the way we model it when frustrating things happen to us. And we can say it, wow, this is so frustrating. I went to the store to get ABCD and it wasn't in the store. Um, and, they're, and they're gonna also model, we can help them when, for example, they're looking, they need a computer and no one's on the computer and someone else is on the computer and they have to work it out. We can help them along with it. The next step after that is, besides the dealing with the frustration, is to be solution oriented. Meaning, 
something didn't work out, so do we, like I said, wallow in our misery or do we do our best to make things work? And what's very important about this is we try to make things work even if they don't work perfectly the first time or maybe if they don't work perfectly the second time or the third time, that life is always a work in progress. And we're always trying to figure out solutions. And I think that that's what all of us really are doing in so many different aspects of our lives and dealing with our kids. This didn't work, and so let's try this. Okay, that works a little bit, maybe not so well, but, but we can tweak that a little bit and make that even better, or this aspect worked, or this aspect didn't. And we model it for our kids. Okay, there was no flour in the store. I can't make the cake I wanted to for Shabbos. But look, the Duncan Hines mixes, they're all in stock. And so I'm gonna make a Duncan Hines cake. That's being solution oriented, right? Sometimes as parents, in order to, for us to make our day work, we may have to get up early to daven. Sometimes the men have to do that, or some women are staying up late in order to put in their work hours. All, all those different things are being solution oriented and not getting stuck when the solution doesn't work because sometimes the solution doesn't work. Sometimes plan B isn't even good enough and we have to go to plan C or plan D and, and modeling for our children that that's okay, that we're not upset about that. We understand things don't always work perfectly. And especially now when we're in such an unusual situation, we're, that's what we expect. We don't, we're not gonna let it get us down. That's what resilience is. And that's such a gift that we can give, that we can give our kids. For our kids, I'm sure anyone who has more than one child trying to do anything, uh, any Zoom meeting on the computer, they have to have headphones, otherwise they're all screaming and no one, can, no one can hear each other, making schedules for kids who need structure. And again, nothing's perfect, but being okay with only solving half the problem because at least you solved that half. And okay, maybe tomorrow we can solve the other half, having that can-do attitude. So that is area number one, resilience, living in plan B and being okay with living in plan B, acknowledging it and moving on and not letting it ruin our day and ruin the lives of people around us. Number two, in terms of an attitude of growth that we can give to our children is positivity. I, I've been re was reading um, the other night about something that they're calling toxic positive positivity. So toxic positivity is fake positivity. That means that if somebody comes to you with, with a problem or an issue, instead of trying to help them and instead of trying to be sympathetic or empathetic, you just negate what they're saying. If they, you know, they say, this isn't working, you say, oh, we'll be okay. This isn't working, oh, we'll be okay. Oh, I feel so frustrated, oh, we'll be okay. So that's, that's not what we need. That's not, that's not helpful. Real positivity is yes acknowledging someone's feelings and acknowledging their frustration and acknowledging their anxiety or whatever they're feeling. That's, it, 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 that's, that's not anti-positivity. But then listening, empathizing, and then helping everyone to move through to the next step. Um, there's a very, a very nice part that I know I've said before. I'm gonna repeat it again now. You definitely may have heard it from me a different time. The, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos says, Asara nisim There were 10 miracles that were done for our forefathers in the base Hamigdash. And the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos lists 10 different miracles that were done in the base Hamigdash. And one of them is, Lo Amar Adam 
a person never said to his friend, Sar li hamakom she'alin birushalayim. The place that, um, I, that I have to stay in Yerushalayim is too squishy. This is referring to when the Jewish people would be Ola la on, uh, on um, Sukkot and Pesach and Shavuot, when all of the Jewish nation would go up to Yerushalayim to be in the Beis HaMikdash, they would all be crowding into Yerushalayim. So one of the miracles is no one ever said to his friends, you know what, it's too squished. The place that I have to stay in Yerushalayim, I moved in with my cousins, I have 10 kids, they have 11 kids, there's no room for anyone, we're on top of each other, everyone's online for the bathroom, it's just a disaster. No one ever said that. And Rabbi Reisman, again Rabbi Reisman, he points out that it's not that they weren't squished, because of course they were squished. You have all of the Jewish nation coming, is millions of people coming into one not very large city, of course they were squished. The miracle is not that they weren't squished. The miracle is lo amar adam lechaveru. No one ever complained about it. They didn't complain about it. They looked on the positive side. Look, we're here in Yerushalayim, and it was squished. The pasuk in Tehillim says, "Omdo talu raglenu b'sharayach Yerushalayim," that our feet were standing in the gates of Yerushalayim. There was a traffic jam of people trying to get into the gates of Yerushalayim on, on Yadif when everyone came up. There were lots of people. It was squished, but no one complained about it. And that was the nace. Because if you're in Yerushalayim and you get to be there to be Olo La Regal, you get to be there at the base of English to see the Karbanos, then you're not going to complain. And this is an attitude for life that, okay, the situation may be second best, but we have the power to stop fetching and to focus on the positives. And by us focusing on the positives, we can help our children also focus on the positives. And again, I'm gonna say it again. This is not to say that if a child comes with a problem or a real issue that we ignore them or we pretend it doesn't exist. That's not what I'm saying. But we can keep our speech and we can keep our attitude focused on the good things. And there are positive side effects of staying home all day. Sometimes they're hard to find, but they're, they're there, right? You know, the child who never liked to get up in the morning, who never likes to get dressed in the morning, they can stay in their pajamas all day. That's one fight you don't have to deal with anymore. You're not rushing children out the door. You're not rushing out the door to, to, to work every day. If you have teenagers, like when was the last time they voluntarily spent so much time with you? There are positive side effects and we can choose to look for the positive. Now, it doesn't mean that we think, oh, wow, this is the ideal situation and I hope this never ends. That's not what it means. We do hope this is gonna end and this is not the ideal situation. But nonetheless, we can see, we can see the half full aspect. And if we're able to mo model that for our children and we're able to keep our speech positive so that our children hear us talking positively and our children hear us saying nice things and our children don't hear us constantly fetching, 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 fetching. Because if we're fetching, 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 then our children will also be fetching, 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 fetching. That's just, that's just the way it goes. So as positive as we can be to look for the nice aspects of things. Um, my total who's in fourth grade over the past few days, she's decided that it's her mission in life to make me a smoothie every day for lunch. That's a positive. 
that's something that I can focus on even when the kids are distracting and it's hard for me to do my own work, but I'm going to get my smoothies during lunch. We can focus on the good things, the nice things, whatever positive there is that is coming out of it. So that is number two. Number one was resilience. Number two was positivity for us to model these things and help teach our children so our children can take these things away with them when this is all over and they can come out as better people. Number three is that something, it was hard for me to put a real topic, a real title for this, but what I would say is that we can all become and we can help our children rise to the occasion to help them learn that there are times in life when we need to be a step above, when we need to be better than we were before because that's what the occasion calls and that's what the occasion demands for. And there's, again, so many different ways that this can apply to us and that we, this can apply to our children. Um, in, in this week's, we, this past Shabbos yesterday, we had two parshios, Acharimos and Kedoshim. So in the second parsha, the parsha of Kedoshim, um, it starts off with the Pasuk, Daber al-Kol Adas B'nai Yisrael, Hashem tells Moshe to speak to all of B'nai Yisrael, Va'amarta Aleim, and you should say to them, Kedoshim Tiyu, you should be Kadosh, Ki Kadosh Ani Hashem Elokechem, because I, Hashem, are Kadosh. And we usually understand this Pasuk according to Rashi. And Rashi says, Rashi says, Kadosh means to be separate, that we should be separate from immoral relationships and Averos and sins having to do with that. And that's, of course, 100% true. Part of Kadusha is definitely being separate from everything in that category. The Rabbeinu Bachai, though, he understands, he understands this in a totally different way. And he says, again, he says, Kadusha means being separate and being different. And he says, but this is about being separate and being different in our midos. And he connects that to what comes right after that. Because after this pasuk uh, of Hashem telling us to be kadosh, comes the mitzvah of kibbut avaim. And he says that we have to be kadosh in our midos and how we act with other people. For example, in our relationship with our parents. And of course, as you go on in Parshas Kedoshim, there are actually many other examples of relationships between Adam Lechavero and mitzvot between one man, one person, and another person. To work on our midos, to become more refined in our character traits, to work on things like Lashon Hara and anger and the flip side of anger, having patience and doing chesed, that is part of Kedusha. It's part of holiness, Holiness meaning being separate, being different, being in a, living in a whole different plane. And certainly rising to the occasion in the sense of midos, that is something that we can also give our kids so that when they look back at this time, they think, okay, wow, you know what? We were able to be better then. We were able to do better than we usually do because we knew that this was the kind of time that we all needed to be to be a little bit better. Certainly just plain old getting along, right? Getting along within the house. And it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen by itself. It's something that has to that that as parents we can 
we can help instruct our kids. We can talk to our kids. You know, what can we do? This is hard. This is hard that we're all living together. It's hard that we're all on top of each other. This is so hard that we're all trying to share the same devices and it's not always working. And, you know, the phones don't work and the cell phone service doesn't work. And then the internet goes down. This is hard. It's hard that we can't get all the things we want from the store. It's hard that you want the scrambled eggs for breakfast, but your sister had the last egg, right? We can tell our kids, yeah, you know, this is hard. How can we get along? Talk to them. What can we do to make sure that we're getting along? What can we do to encourage each other to get along? Can we do a prize or can everyone um, talk about something at the end of the day that they did something nice to someone? Everyone resolved to do something nice to someone. Even very, very young children can understand that. Even three and four-year-olds can understand that that's not beyond them to do something nice for someone. This is something that doesn't happen by itself and it doesn't happen in the negative either. It doesn't happen just when uh, two kids are in a fight and you say, you know, stop being mean to each other, stop fighting, don't you know that there's a worldwide crisis going on? That, that never stops anyone from doing anything. It happens, it happens before when we talk to our kids and we encourage them and as a family we work on what can we do to be better in our middos so that when we look back at this time, 10 years from now, when we're 80 years old and we're gonna say, you know what? It was really hard, but we all got along because we all made an effort to get along and we all made an effort to be nice to each other and we all made an effort to be the vater. And it was okay that there really wasn't enough space in the kitchen and there really wasn't enough bathroom space to go around. And all those things were a crunch, but you know what? We were able to do it anyway because we really made a big effort to do it. And it only happens with a conscious effort. And of course, we as the parents have to also, of course, model that for them that we are also generous with our time and generous with our space, even if it's inconvenient for us, because that's what it takes for, to make this work. And that's what the Rabbeinu Baha'i is saying. That's growth in our midos, and that is Kedusha. That is Kedusha. That's, so that's one aspect of growth in our midos is just getting along with each other. And another aspect would be thinking about other people, other people who are not necessarily living in our house people who, whether it's family, who are alone, older people who are alone, or neighbors or friends, making an effort also to reach out to people. And again, these things don't happen by themselves. It's something that, that, we, that we can all talk to our kids. How are we gonna think about other people? How are we gonna see if somebody needs groceries when we're going to the grocery store? Or can we call someone on Erev Shabbos or do something nice to someone or send an e-card? There's so many different ways that we can reach out to people even when we're not there. And that is, that is Kedusha in Armidos. It's a way, again, that our kids can look back on this so many years later and say, you know what? We did so many nice things. We were stuck at home, but we were able to do so much chesed and we were able to make people feel good. And even we were able to make sure that people didn't feel lonely, at least for a little bit. It's something that's possible. This is something that's possible for children of all ages. And of course, it all, it all always starts with us. So that was all talking about midos, about being bigger, about being better than ourselves, about living life a little bit better. And it's also, that was really the Bain Adam Lechavero aspect of it. But we also have the Bain Adam Lamakum aspect of it, of bringing Hashem into our lives. Um, the Rambam in Hilchos Tanios, he says that when a tzara, when a, a trouble comes to the world, to the Jewish people, that 
it's our job to cry out to Hashem. It's our job to do teshuva and to try to improve ourselves. And he says that a person who just says, yeah, you know, this is what happens. You know, it, you know, pandemics happen about once every 100 years or so, which is true. But nonetheless, it's Hashem who's making it happen when it happens. This could have happened in the previous generation. It could happen in the next generation. Hashem made it happen now. And a person who just says, oh, this is just nature, he says that's derech achzarius. That's being cruel. Why is it being cruel? Because then the tzara is not going to go away and more people are going to get harmed. If we want this to go away as fast as it can, the best thing we can do is work on changes in ourselves. And again, like I said before, I am definitely not here to tell you that this is the reason for coronavirus and this is what you must do. I would not, I, I don't know. We don't, none, none of us know. But any improvement and any teshuva and anything we could do to improve is all appropriate and is all something that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu welcomes. And by bringing Hashem into this and telling our kids about it, not just keeping it inside, but telling our kids about it and talking to our kids and saying, you know, there's a thorough going on and people are being harmed and there's danger in the world. What can we do? What can we work on as a family? As a family? What can we improve? Or how can everybody think about what they can do to improve? Making, making the Hashem aspect the hashkacha aspect of this very real, letting them know that, that we're talking about it, we're thinking about it, and that they, they can think about it also. We can dive in for people who are sick. We can make sure that with all, the, with all the things that we do, we're wearing a mask and not going out and washing our hands, whatever we do, to let our kids know, you know what, this is Hishtadas, but we know that we're relying on Hashem. Hashem wants us to do our part, but after that, we know that it's only Hashem, and we can look for we can look for, oh, I was in this situation and look how Hashem helped me. Just bring that language into our house so that our kids can grow from it, so that our kids can understand that they're not living in a coincidence world, that they're living in a world where Hashem is running, this, running the world, where Hashem is pulling the strings. Do we understand exactly how and why? No, of course not. We don't. We just don't. But but to give them that knowledge that even in uncertain times, we know that this is coming from Hashem. And more than that, we know that, that how to deal with it. We know how to approach it. The way to approach it is for us to search within ourselves, not to search within other people to figure out what other people should be doing better, but to search within ourselves to see what we could be doing better. And giving that over to our children is also a huge gift that for the rest of their lives, when situations happen, whether they're personal or whether they're in a community or whether they're national or international, whatever it is, they'll always take that with them and they'll know, you know what, when things like this happen, I have to look inside and see how can I do better. That's my responsibility when something, that's my responsibility when something like this happens. Okay, so, so we just said three areas, think three things that we can give our children so that they can, things they can take with them we talked about resilience, living in a plan B world. We spoke about positivity, not fake positivity, but real positivity, looking for the good, right? Like we said, uh, the, the nace that happened that no one ever crushed about not having space in Yerushalayim, and then becoming bigger, rising to the occasion, whether in Midos and whether in our relationship to Hashem. Those were three things that, that I picked out. Those are my suggestions 
But the truth is that there's, there's no absolute answer here. It's not like these are the only things that you could ever work on. And it could be there are other things, that there are things that are more important to you or that, or that you feel are more appropriate for your family, and they can all be good things. But the point is that we want our children to do more than just survive. We want ourselves to do more than just survive. If we're just going through this surviving, and sometimes that's very hard, and sometimes there's no time to think, but if that's all we ever do, then we miss out. We missed out. This is, uh, it's in a bad way, but this is a once in a lifetime experience. And, and we should at least try to come out of it better people, better people than we were, than we were before. Um, and our narrative as parents of what happened, that is going to define the experience for our children. The way we talk about it now when it's happening and the way that we talk about it in a few months from now and the way we talk about it in a year from now, that's going to define for our children how they're going to look at it also. And I want to end and then we'll take any, any questions that, that anyone has or at least we'll look at any questions that anyone has. I just want to end with, with a personal story of something that always stayed with me. It's something that happened when I was 13 years old and my family was living in Dallas, Texas and we were moving to Silver Spring, Maryland. And so we packed up all our stuff into our station wagon. There were no minivans then. And it was my parents and there were six kids. I'm, I was the oldest, I was 13. And my youngest was my youngest sister who was just a baby. And we all packed into the station wagon. I think there was someone sitting in the front seat between my parents, this was a long time ago. There were three kids in the middle and then there were two kids in the back of the station wagon. No one was wearing seatbelts. Those are the lucky kids because they got to lie down on the blankets and all our stuff was piled up on the top of the car. If you didn't, if you're too young to have experienced that, then you've seen pictures of what, of what that looked like. And my family had sold the house in Dallas and we were on our way to go to, we were going to go to Baltimore and we were going to stay at my aunt's house. We were supposed to get there, I think on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, my parents were going to go into Silver Spring and close on the new house that they were buying in Silver Spring and then stay in Baltimore for Shabbos and then move into our new house when the moving truck came. So it was a great thing. So we were all packed in the car pretty much with all of our worldly possessions that hadn't been on the moving truck. Driving cross country was about a three-day trip. And we were actually almost there. We had just crossed over from the border from Tennessee into Virginia, and we got to a city called Bristol, Virginia, which still exists, I've passed through it um, since then. And in Bristol, Virginia, the, the motor, the engine on our car broke. It was just smoking, it was, it was dead. The car, the car, the engine on the car was gone. And we ended up packing into a hotel, in, a motel in Bristol, Virginia, into two different rooms. We were there for about two days. We found the mechanic, they fixed the car. We started driving at night. All the lights went off in the entire car. <laughs> um, my father had to get off the highway and return the car. It was a whole, it was a whole big mess. We just barely made it to the closing. The closing got pushed off till Friday. We barely made it to Baltimore for Shabbos. It was really, it was really not a fun situation for, for anyone, for anyone involved in any way. And, and, and afterwards, you know, as once, once things got better and we were moved into the new house, and of course this became a, a story in family lore, and my parents, but they would always, they would talk about the Hashgacha Pratis, a finding a mechanic that, that was able to find an engine, an engine for that station wagon, which wasn't, which wasn't so simple. They would talk about all different Hashgacha Pratis and how scary it was, you know, when the lights went out in the car and my father had to go off the highway completely 
dark and, and no one could, he couldn't see anything and no one could see them. And they would, they would laugh. They would look at the bright side. They would look at the positive side about how we, on Friday afternoon, like two o'clock in the afternoon, we went to close on the house. The kids were not supposed to be with my parents, but there was no choice at that point to this fancy, fancy lawyer's office in Bethesda, in Bethesda, Maryland. And, 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 and it was this like plush lawyer's office with all the, the signing documents. And they came in with this whole family. We looked like something the cat dragged in. My little sister was crawling under this like 10 foot conference table. They laughed about that. But what really, really, really sticks with me, what I remembered always what I still remember and what honestly I still think about today when these kind of situations come up is that at one point when things were really looking bad, when the car was broken and they weren't sure what to do and it was hot, it was the summer and, and we were just like stuck at a, at a rest stop. And, and so us, the kids, we started, we started fighting. And my mother turned to us and she said, she said, you know, Abba and I are also upset. Abba and I are also hot. Abba and I are also thirsty and Abba and I are also worried and we don't exactly know what we're going to do but we are not fighting with each other and and I, I think about that really I think about that all the time because that comes up it was such a powerful thing for her to say you know she acknowledged that even the adults were you know had every right to be in a bad mood even the adults would have you know maybe loved to snap at someone but they didn't and that taught me the lesson that I took from that always, that I always think about, is that being an adult means that even when you're hot and uncomfortable and not in a bad mood and things don't look so great, if you're really not sure what to do and you're very, very stressed out, being an adult means that you be a little bit bigger and you don't start the fight and you control yourself. And that's going to help us get out of the situation because that's the, way I, that's the way I connected it as a child. Like my parents didn't fight with each other, even though they were hot and tired and in a bad mood, they didn't snap at each other. And, and ultimately we got the silver spring and we bought the house and everything turned out well. And that was such a powerful, powerful, powerful lesson. It's something that I think about as an adult, like that's, that's always ringing in my head when things come up as an adult and they certainly do come up many times in life. And if we're able to give that kind of life lesson to our kids in some way from all the different things and all the different experiences that we're having, then, then that will be a success. If our kids can hear our voices ringing in their ears, from how we dealt with this situation, then we can say like we did it. Parenting in a pandemic, that we, we had some measure of hatwacha. Okay, um, I guess I'm gonna open it up now to questions. Like there's nothing in chat yet, at least as far as I can see. Um, Tova, do you see anything? No, Tova doesn't see anything, okay. Um, does anyone wanna, you can, you can chat, you can chat privately and nobody, nobody will see it. Or you can unmute yourself and ask. Or you can unmute yourself and ask. Or you can text me. I do it on my phone. Or you can text Tova. Okay. And no questions. I guess everyone's doing so wonderful and amazing. It's great to hear. Okay. If any, <laughs> Tova, you want to wait? Should we wait a little longer? Or? You got one. That was a very powerful story. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, if anyone, if anyone has anything specific, anyone of course is welcome to, um, to reach out to me. I think most people know how to, how to get me. Oh, here, Mrs. Fransky, we do have a question. Okay. I work full time. My son sits on the video all day. I feel guilty. Um, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. I think like get rid of the guilt. 
And if it's something that you want to work on, then, then, then work on it. Then try to problem solve and think of what else he can do. Try to talk to him and see of what else he can do. But, but the guilt is not, the guilt is not helping you. That's, that's for sure. If you'd like to problem solve, if you'd like to think that you want to make things better, um, then, then go for it. But, but don't feeling guilty about it is not going to help you or him or him move past it, move past it. The only thing that's going to help is trying to be solution oriented, working with him to figure out, you know, what else he can do if that's something that you're not 100% comfortable with. Anything else? So, do you see anything? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, wait, oh, wait, I got one. Okay, one second. Mm -hmm. Okay, so similar question. How do we deal with a child? Um, how do we deal with a child who is bored without turning to without turning to videos? So it's hard. It is very challenging. Um, Baruch Hashem, the weather's been good, so that's good. I know not all kids want to get outside with the weather. Um, I think this is a step up from videos. I just discovered this um, at the end of last week. It could be some of you like know about this forever. I'm a little slow. I understand. I'm a little slow on this, but the libraries. The libraries are closed, of course, and you can't take out books from the library, but they're open digitally. So you can, um, you can check out digital books from the library. Some of them are an audio book, which is definitely a step up from video. Um, yes, your child's still connected to headphones. Looks like they're growing out of their ears at this point, but it's still, it's still, they're still not watching a video. And some of the books, you, they actually they just read the book on the screen. You, you, don't even, you could do it. You could do it through a Kindle or it just appears on the screen. Again, uh, that's, it's, they're still looking at a screen, but they're, they're reading. They're not, they're not playing a game or, or, watching, or watching a video. Um, otherwise, you know, talk to friends, see what else they can do. You know, it's hard if you're trying to work and you can't help entertain, um, entertain the children. Um, someone just chatted me, make a schedule. Okay, that can definitely help with, uh, with other ideas. Let's see, we have more ideas coming in. In my house, we have an activities list divided by indoors and outdoors, which helps with the boredom. Okay, great. So that they can choose um, to give the child a choice, which is always good, um, of some activities that, that they can choose without just, turning to, without just turning to a video. They do have options. I know there are some families that, um, that they've bought puzzles, like, you know, 1,000-piece puzzles or 5,000-piece puzzles. You'd be surprised. Like, even kids who will tell you, no, I would never do a puzzle. I don't want to do a puzzle. I don't like doing puzzles. Even those kids, if the puzzle is out on the table, um, like they can't help themselves. Like they just come over and they start, they start working on it. It definitely, it t definitely takes creativity. Um, in my house, we're making a lot of cakes. We're eating a lot of cakes. <laughs> we're eating too many cakes. But, but <laughs> then the kids are busy in the kitchen and um, they're not. That's also a positive thing to look at, that they can make food for Shabbos when they finish their classwork. Anything else? Any other ideas anyone wants to share or chat? Tova, you see anything? No. No? Okay. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for, for listening. Is that someone? No, it's just Tova. Okay. Thank you. Have, have a good night. Hatzlaka to everyone. It's not easy. Thank you, Mrs. Fransky. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you.